want to just share with you something very, very practical, but something that just reaches deep into my heart. And I want to talk to you about deepening your devotional life. But uh, the thought that's really on my heart is deepening your devotional life through the gift of journaling. You know, journaling your thoughts, journaling your prayers, journaling uh, the promises that God gives you. Do we have anybody in here who likes to journal? I love to journal my prayers. And I have to tell you, I see they have their notebooks out over here. So they're, they're journaling with us. And uh, I found out that in my devotional life, when I journal, it really does take me to a deeper place of intimacy with God a deeper place of clarity with God. It takes me to a deeper place of intimacy with God. And uh, just journaling has become a very precious treasure in my devotional life. And I just want to talk with you about that. So, point number one, slide one. Are you ready for point number one, slide one? Okay, point number one. The Lord treasures a seeking heart. Psalm 27 verse 8 says, when you said, seek my face, my heart says back to you, O Lord, your face I will seek. And let me just say that one of my greatest treasures in the earth is my devotional time with God. That is my greatest treasure in the earth. There isn't anything that comes close. You know, what comes close, I would say what comes close is my wife and my children and my family and my friends. But after that, there isn't anything that comes close to my devotional time with God, my time that I spend alone with God. That is truly the greatest treasure of my heart. You know, those intimate, quiet times where I just share my heart with God and then he shares his heart back with me through the tenderness of his spirit, through the tenderness of his presence, through the tenderness of his word. It seems like the older I get, the more priceless those moments become, the more precious those moments become with God. And in those times, I've learned to journal my thoughts. I've learned to write in a journal what I sense God is speaking to me and, and how I sense my heart is actually reaching out and responding to what God is uh, speaking to me. You know, when God speaks so personally to me, the precious promises of his word, you know, when he speaks to me about who he is and about who I am and about who he is in me and about the things that he's doing in my life and he's doing through my life, you know, I've learned to, to treasure those thoughts that God thinks towards me and I, I've learned to write them in my little treasure book because that's what my journal is. It is my little treasure book beloved let me say that I love the secret place that place where I go to be alone with God because it's the one place where I can be real with God that's what I've learned about the secret place I learned to love about it it's the place where I can be real with God it's the place where I can share my struggles with God and I can share my battles with God and I can share just the uh the weaknesses and the incapabilities that I feel with God. And, and I know that he doesn't despise me because of my weaknesses. And he doesn't despise me because of my struggles. And it's actually in that secret place where God always brings a very tender word to my heart that encourages me and that lifts me up and that, in, that strengthens me and uplifts my faith. And I just love to journal those tender words that God speaks to lift me up and and encourage me. And those journals have become a priceless treasure chest. 
You know, I can open my journals and remind my heart of those sacred times where God spoke to me and those sacred truths that God spoke to me. And, and I can just reflect on those times. It's like as I open my journal and, and say, I remember when I went through that. I remember that battle. I remember that storm. It's like the Lord can take me back to those moments. And I have hindsight. I can actually see how God brought me out and how God brought me through and how God was faithful. And and I just look at the things that I wrote, you know, the things that I struggled with, my fears, my anxieties, and, but yet I've come through it and I see the faithfulness of God and, and I've learned to treasure my journals. So slide two, please. Right here I want to talk about journaling and I, I want to stay with the old format of who, what, when, where, how, and why. So my second point Let's start with the who and the why. First of all, when you have a life of journaling, who am I journaling to? You know, who is my journals are about? You know, whose thoughts am I writing down when I journal? Well, when you're journaling, you're journaling the thoughts of someone who treasures you very much. You know, when you're journaling, you're journaling the thoughts of, of, of a God and you're journaling the thoughts of a father who places tremendous value upon your life. You know, right here, I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 139. It's a psalm that I've been coming back to time and time again in my devotional life with God. And we're answering the question, who are we journaling to? Whose thoughts am I writing down when I journal? So, Psalm 139, let me just say that this is a very intimate psalm. You know, God is going to reveal things in this psalm that is absolutely mind-blowing. What I love about Psalm 139 is in this psalm, God opens up the treasure of his heart. And in this psalm, he tells you how precious you are to him. And he tells us just how intimately familiar he is with us. He tells us how intimately he is acquainted with us and that's what I really love about this psalm in this psalm he's going to tell us that we have so captured his attention that he knows when we lay down and he knows when we rise up he's going to tell us that he's so intimately acquainted with us that he ponders every thought that we think he's going to tell us that he knows when we're traveling and he knows when we're resting from our travels He's going to tell us in this psalm that he knows every word we are going to say before we say it. In, in verse 5, David says, you have hedged me behind and before and have laid your hand upon me. In other words, David is saying, you know my past and you know my future. And there's not a, a, never a moment in my presence when your hand isn't resting upon my life, holding me and guiding me. He tells us all these things in these psalms and and. Please just allow me to, to say to you that I have read this psalm many times, but I'm actually entering into now that sacred fascination that you see in David's heart. You know, these thoughts about how intimately acquainted God is with David, they became something that fascinated him. He says in verse 5, look with me at verse 5. He says in verse 5, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Then he says in verse 6, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. 
And what David is saying is this, when you truly realize just how personal and intimately acquainted God is with you, it's stunning. It's inconceivable. David is saying you can't even begin to fathom it when you truly understand just how much God knows you and how intimately he is acquainted with you and how personally he is acquainted with you. David is saying here, it takes your breath away. And I I found myself entering into that fascination that, that David has. You know, it really is incredible to understand God knows when I sit down and he knows when I stand up. He knows when I go to bed at night. And he knows when I get up in the morning. And, and, and his thoughts are constantly focused upon my life. Beloved, I have to tell you something. That is just mind-blowing. That God would be that close to me. And I love how God opens this psalm. Look with me at verse 1. Psalm 139, verse 1. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And it's as if God is saying, before I go into all these wonderful, intimate details about what I think about you, there is something I want to make clear. I know you. I know you better than you know you. I know your struggles. I know your weaknesses. I know your shortcomings. I know your frailties. But here's what I want you to know. It doesn't change a thing. It doesn't change anything. I still treasure you. I know when you get up. I know when you sit down. I know when you get in the subway. I know when you get off the subway. I know the words that you're going to speak before they say them. It doesn't change a thing. You are my treasure. You know, nobody knows us better than we know ourselves. And there are just times that I can't help but think to myself, you know, God, if you really knew me, how could you love me so deeply? You know, if you really knew me, how could you love me so passionately? So God is saying in verse one, let's just get that out of the way and make it clear. I know you. I know the good. I know the bad. I know the beautiful. I know the things that aren't so beautiful. I know your successes. I know your failures. And I just want to make it right clear from the start. It doesn't change a thing. I treasure you. That is what the Lord is saying here. You are my most priceless treasure. And now that I've made that clear, the Lord says, let me proceed to tell you how intimately I know you. And then he goes through all these these beautiful verses. So we're asking the question, who am I journaling to? You're journaling the thoughts of of God and a father who considers you to be the greatest treasure of the earth, of the universe, of heaven. There's nothing he values in heaven or on earth more than he values his people. So let's ask the question, well, why do we journal? Well, look with me at verse 17 and 18. It says... How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. So the Bible says that God's precious thoughts towards us are so great, they outnumber the sand of the seashore. Wow. 
That's a lot of precious thoughts. If you wonder how many precious thoughts, thoughts that were God, that, that, that just ravished God's heart. This man is so precious to me. This woman is so precious to me. If you wonder how many thoughts God has about us, precious thoughts, God is saying, I have more precious thoughts towards you than the sand on the seashore. That's what the Lord is saying. And it's in that quiet devotional time that we have with God where he shares those precious thoughts with us from his word. You know, God values those times that we get along with him and his word because that's his opportunity to share those thoughts that he thinks towards us with our heart. And we journey, we, we journal those thoughts in our treasure book because again, to me, that's what a journal is. It's a treasure book where you're just journaling the thoughts of God. And can I say this? Listen, you own nothing. There's nothing you own that's more valuable than the truths you write down in your little journal book. There's nothing. Listen, I can say this with a sincere heart. I will give you my house. I will give you my car. I will give you my boat if I had a boat. <laughs> but I would never give you my box of journals. Never. You can have my car. You can have my boat. You can have my house. You can have it. But what's in those journals are priceless. And I would not part from them. I would not. Amen. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. And you know what I really love about the Lord is, is God is never going to run out of things to speak to us. I mean, if his thoughts outnumber the sand on the seashore, he's always going to have something to say to you. Amen. And you know, my wife is a perfect example of this. My wife has been journaling since she got saved. That's over 20 years ago. And she has boxes and boxes and boxes of journals. I mean, God has spoken so much to her, but can I just tell you this? If she lives to be a hundred years old, she'll have to run out to the, uh, bookstore and buy another journal because God's not through speaking yet. Amen. And if you love to journal and you're a hundred years old, if you're 200 years old and you're still breathing air in your lungs, every time you run out of a journal room, you'll have to go buy a new notebook or buy a new journal because God has so many things he still wants to say to you. Amen. And that's why we journal, because God just wants to share those precious thoughts with us. So the question is, all right, we talked about who we journal to. We talked about why we journal. Let's talk about how do we journal. Do you know what I love about the book of Psalms? Psalms is David's prayer journal. That's his, it's his prayer journal. I mean, if you, you want to know what David prayed and David thought and about his battles and, and, and just the things that are on his heart, you can read the book of Psalms. I know Psalms is Psalms, but it's just as much, it's a prayer journal. How do I know it's a prayer journal? Because I've read all 150 Psalms and I can't find one rhyming verse. You know, when we write songs, we, we can't write a song without making our words rhyme, Right? But I've read the, from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150. I can't find one rhyming verse. I know it's songs, but just as much it's David's prayer journal. So I think his, his psalms are a perfect model 
of what it is to have a prayer journal. And I want you to go with me to Psalm 69. Go with me to Psalm 69. Look at me at Psalm 69. Verses 1 through 4. David says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are more who destroy me. Being my enemies wrongfully, though I've stolen nothing, I must still restore it. Do you know what I love about David's Psalms? In David's Psalms, he is so transparent. In David's Psalms, he is so honest. You know, David told God exactly how he felt, didn't he? When you read the Psalms. When he felt good, he told God about it. When he felt strong, he told God about it. When he was triumphant, he told God about it. When he felt like a giant killer, he told God about it. But when he felt weak, incapable, overwhelmed, he told God about that too. And my point is, when you're journaling, you can be completely honest with God about what's going on in your life and how you feel. That's what I love about the journal. You can be so honest with God and how you feel. You can put your heart on paper you can say, God, I'm struggling today. I feel anxiety today. God, I'm, I'm struggling with fear today. God, I'm, I'm struggling with anxiousness today. God, I'm just struggling today. You can do that. But Pastor Tim, I've heard so many people telling me, if I have faith, I won't struggle. Well, that's what I love about the secret prayer, the secret place of the prayer closet. You don't have Brother Pharisee and Sister Super Christian telling you everything you're doing wrong. <laughs> Really, that's what I love about the secrecy of the prayer closet. I don't have, you know, Brother Pharisee and Sister Super Christian telling me everything I'm doing religiously wrong. I can put my heart out there and tell God exactly how I feel. Amen. But let's not stop there. Notice something else about this psalm. Look with me at verse 34 through 36. Turn my page. David continues to write, Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah that may dwell there and possess it. All the descendants of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. So what I want you to capture here is David ends this psalm with marvelous hope and praise. And here's my point, when you're journaling, don't just take time to write down what you're going through and what you're facing and, and your struggles and how hard it is. You know, you can, you, can, you can begin there, but don't just start there and then get up and leave. That's what a lot of people do. They just go into their prayer time and they tell everything, God, everything that's wrong and everything that they're facing and God, I feel fearful and anxious and God, I'm angry. And then they, they get up and leave, but don't get up and leave. After you told God the honest contents of your heart, then open your Bible and let God begin to speak in 
to the situation you're dealing with. Let God begin to speak into that place in your heart that you're dealing with. And, and as you're writing, you're going to find that as God is speaking from his word and as he's strengthening you and as he's encouraging you, you're going to find your heart taking comfort in the faithfulness and the greatness of God. When you give God time to speak, okay, I've had my time. This is how I feel. This is what I'm dealing with. Now, God, let me open your word and let me find out what you have to say about it. And I'm telling you, that's where the strength comes from. You know, when you give God time to speak, here's what he's going to say. Yes, you're in a storm, but I'm the God who will cause you to walk on the water. Yes, you are in the battle, but I'm the God who will bring down every giant in your life. Yes, you are facing an impossible situation, but I am the God who opens the Red Sea. Yes, you feel like you're a failure, but I'm the God who will fill your nets with fish after you fished all night and caught nothing. Yes, you are in a place of mourning, but I am the God who will turn your mourning into dancing. Put your trust in me. Write that down too. To me, that's just a good model of a prayer journal. God, here's my thoughts. I'm getting honest with you. I'm getting real with you. And just pour your heart out on paper and then take a moment to see what God has to say about it. Beloved, you have to understand it's not just about David and his giant. It's about you and your giant and how God's going to faithfully conquer your giant. It's not just about Moses and his Red Sea. It's about you and every sea of impossibility that you're facing. Amen. That's what I love about the Bible. It's, it's, it's about David in his day, but now it's about me and my day and what I'm facing. And that's what I love about journaling. Amen. So real quick, let's talk about what, when, and where when we're journaling. You know, what is a devotional life? Go with me real quick to Luke chapter 10. Look with me at verse 38 and 39. What is a devotional life? Verse 38 and 39 says, And now it happened as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, capture this, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. And beloved, to me, that is a, a picture of a devotional life. A devotional life is setting quality time aside to be alone with Jesus, sitting at his feet, Praying to him, singing to him, sharing your heart with him, and allowing him to speak to you from his word. You know, God treasures those intimate moments. I have to say it, God those times where you just, you just set time aside, where it's just me and Jesus. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to be alone with Jesus. I can't even begin to tell you how much he treasures that time with you. You know, I, I remember one time the Lord spoke to me and he said, Tim, you know what the greatest, one of the greatest rejoicings of my heart is? And I said, what, Lord? And he says, when I find another seeking heart, when I find someone who just wants to be alone with me and talk to me and pray to me and worship me, and worship me, just an audience of one just worshiping me, that is one of the greatest treasures of my heart. 
And I truly believe this is where genuine intimacy with God begins. Can I say that again? People often ask me, Tim, where does cultivating intimacy with God begin? And my first answer is always this, being alone with him. That's where it begins. Seeing your intimacy with God begin to grow and begin to develop, it starts with being alone with him. And right here, I do want to say very quickly that a person who is a single parent, let me just use that for an example. A person who's a single parent with two kids and two jobs, their devotional time is going to look a lot different than someone who's single and living at home. It's going to look a lot different. I mean, if you're a single parent raising two kids and you got two jobs, you might be lucky if you get 15 minutes. Whereas somebody who's living at home and, uh, you know, they're, they're single, you know, they might have all day they can spend with Jesus. But I, when I want to tell you something, God, if all you have is 15 minutes with Jesus, he values that time as much as anyone who gives them an hour. It's not about knocking time off the clock. It's just about spending time with Jesus, saying, Jesus, I love you. Here's what I'm facing today. Speak to me from your word. He treasures that time. So slide eight. I forgot we were doing slides. Slide eight. When do we spend time with God? Well, I'm going to make this quick. God made owls and God made fowls. Owls are those night people who just love the night and they thrive at night. How many of you are owls? I'm an, I'm an owl. I, I thrive most at night. But the fowls are the ones who like to get up with the chickens. You know, they're, they're morning people. But what I'm simply saying is whether you're an owl, whether you're a fowl, whether you do it at night or whether you do it in the morning, just do whatever works best for you. Spend time with Jesus. Amen. Because he treasures that. And where do we spend time with God? Well, any place you have privacy. Your bedroom, your apartment, in the park, wherever you can get alone with God. Amen. And real quick, I want to end with this. I want to show you the power of the secret place. I call this the power of the secret place. What actually happens in that secret place with God. I want to show you what happens. Go with me to 1 Samuel. Chapter 10. First Samuel chapter. Make that chapter 9. We're going to look at the end of chapter 9. And read in the verse 10. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 27. It says, and as Samuel and Saul were going down to the outskirts of the city, we're in verse 27, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. So in other words, here's what Samuel said to Saul. He said, Saul, I need to be alone with you. There are things on my heart that I need to share with you. So just tell your servant to, to walk ahead of us so me and you can have a long time together. And I just want to tell you that God desires a long time with you. More than anything else, he desires a long time with you. He desires those times where you just get along with him and it's just you and him in the secret place. But let me show you what happens in that secret place. There are three very powerful things that happen in the secret place. Look with me at verse 27 again. 
says, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on and he said, but you stand still here a while that I may announce to you and show you the word of God. Can I just tell you something? He said, let us be alone, Saul, because I want to show you the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's when you get alone with God that his word starts becoming very personal to you. He starts speaking in a very personal way to you. It's when you get in a long time with God that God will begin to speak to your life very personally, very intimately, very privately, and that will transform your life more than anything else that you can do. I want to say that again. Being alone with God and letting him speak his heart to you will change your life more than anything else you can do. Amen. Now we're going to continue the story, but look with me at chapter 10, verse 1. It says, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head. Amen. So after he says, I want to share the word with you, it says that he took a flask of oil and he poured it on his head. Listen, we all know what the oil represents. It represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you something? It's in the secret place where God's anointing comes upon your life. More than any other place. It's in that secret place, just you and God having that intimate time together more than any other place. That's where the anointing he has for your life comes upon your life in the secret place. Amen. Now look with me at verse one. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head and kissed him. So Samuel gave Saul a brotherly kiss. And to me, that kiss represents intimacy. I'll I'll just say it one more time. Listen, word is cultivating a genuine life of intimacy with God. Begin. It begins in the secret place. That's where it starts. Lord, I'm coming into this quiet time with you. I'm cutting off the TV. I'm cutting off the cell phone and I'm closing the door. And it's just me and you sharing our hearts together. I'm telling you, that is where your life of intimacy growing in your intimacy begins. It begins there. And it's out of that place of intimacy that God will begin to use your life. Daniel eleven thirty two says, it's the people who know their God that will be strong and do exploits. Amen? Amen. Go, stand with me. I'm going to give a, a little altar call here. But as you stand with me, open your Bible. I'm going to give it out of Psalms. We were in Psalms. Look with me at Psalm 42. Psalm chapter 42. This is going to be my altar call. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Can I just tell you, it seems like the older I get, the more simple my desire becomes. It seems like the older I get, the more I just desire to simply love God. The more I desire, my desire is to just simply thirst for God. I want to be a man who thirsts for God. I want to be a man who longs for God. This God who sent his son to die on a cross because he loved me and gave himself for me. I want to love that God. With all my heart. 
No hypocrisy, genuine sincerity. I want to love God with all my heart, and I want to thirst for God. I want God to be my thirst. Yes, I want to be used by God. I deeply want to be used by God. But there's a deeper thirst in my heart for that. I just want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to love him more. I want to hunger for him more. I want to thirst for him more. And as I hunger and thirst just to know him, that's when I'm going to see him do the impossible in my life and do the impossible through my life. Amen. So I guess my altar call would simply be this. God, would you stir in me a deeper love and a thirst for God? I really want my walk with God to be based on sincerity. I want to love God with all my heart. I want to walk with God with all my heart. And I want to serve God with all my heart. God, I want my walk with God to be based upon sincerity. I want it to be sincere. So if, there's, if, if, if I spoke anything and it, it kind of stirred your heart a little bit and you say, I just want to thirst for God. I want to love God more. I want to grow in my relationship with God. Why don't you meet me down here in the altar and we'll pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, I thank you with all my heart. Thank you. God, I thank you with all my heart. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for drawing me into this intimate life with God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That is truly my greatest treasure. That's truly our greatest treasure, God. I thank you for that with all my heart. Listen, you that have come to the altar... The Bible says in Romans 3.11 that no one seeks God. And what it's simply saying is there's nothing in the, the human heart that desires God. Nothing in the heart that desires God. So I'm just telling you, if, if you've made this altar call because there's something in your heart that says, you know what, I want to thirst for God. I want to seek God. Well, guess what? God put that there. That didn't come out of your heart. It's impossible to have any kind of desire for God in the fallen heart. So if you have anything that wants to walk with God, it's because God put that there. And I guess what I'm simply trying to say is this. If God put that there, then he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to give you a deeper thirst. He's going to give you a, a, a deeper hunger. He's going, to, he's going to tailor your walk with him so that's based on sincerity. He's going to do it. It's not by might. It's not by power. You know, I've walked with God for almost 30 years, and I can tell you through a lot of failure that anything in the kingdom that you receive from God, it's not about your human strength. You don't do it in human strength. You just walk in faith, and in, in faith, God does it in you. Amen. God does it in you. Amen. Amen.